Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. How many of you are appreciative of 30 degree heat instead of 45? Yeah. Some of you, some people though are such cold people. I don't mean like cold hearted, like cold. Uh, I was talking with someone and they were like, oh, it's kind of warm. And and it was 45. You know, some people are just a little colder. Uh, but summer is a wonderful time and I, I really enjoy it. I, I do not uh, love the dark days of winter. So those are coming though, right? Just to inspire you right now. But those days are coming where it'll be dark and dry and dr- or dr- dark and dry, dark and wet, 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 wet again. Uh, so let's enjoy it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago on the, when it was so hot though, you, you, I don't know if any of you noticed it, but how easy it was to get dehydrated. Did anybody else notice that? How you just suddenly would feel, man, I feel lethargic. Or you've gone to the lake and you've spent some time in the sun and suddenly you start to, wow, I, you get home and you're like, I'm just so tired and you want to sleep. What that is, is usually dehydration. You just don't have enough water. And we, we every year, shandabize these beautiful plants, the hanging baskets. We spend like a small fortune going to Costco or wherever they're at and and they're beautiful and we get them all ready and invariably we take a week or so off sometime in the summer and we go somewhere and we leave them in the care of our children (laughs) very simple job very simple we don't require them to be walked they do not have to be fed all they need is water it's all they need it's all they need is water but somehow every time we come back and they are, we come back and this thing that had been beautifully in bloom, green leaves and everything, comes back and it looks like somebody put it through a hurricane. It's just like brown and the, the flowers are like this big again and it seems like it's never the same again after that dehydration. You can water it, you try and fertilize it, you do everything and invariably they end up in the green bin. That's what happens with them. Because there's, what's the, but not this year. Yes, there was a small miracle this year. Yeah, there were sticky notes all over the house, literally above the sink. Have you watered the plants yet? On the way out the door, have you watered the plants yet? On the way out the back door, have you watered the plants yet? Text, have you watered the plants yet? Because it was so important, because you can miss a day, but if you leave it too long, eventually it's beyond recovery. It gets too hot, too dehydrated. And sometimes spiritually it can be the same way. Because in, in the natural, mild dehydration brings to us things like headaches, lethargy, you don't feel that good, you're not excited, you might, you might feel a little down for a little while. It can be lethargic, but if you leave it a little bit longer, you can get exciting things like kidney stones. If you've never had one of those, I have friends who have, and it's not good. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, but if dehydration goes on, it can actually bring long-term damage to your life, your physical body. And in the spiritual, it's much the same. Dehydration spiritually is incredibly important to pay attention to. You can reverse it, 
but we don't always. Because life can be hot and dry sometimes. Anybody notice that? Life, using that analogy, can be hot and dry sometimes. In our world today, our world's a little crazy right now. Has anybody else noticed that right now? And then we've gone through some seasons that suck the life out of us seemingly, where there's just a dryness and a heat, so to speak, of life. Lots of ways that things go this way and that way. And when it's hot for a long time and you're not hydrating, eventually you get dehydrated and it affects you where you once maybe were a certain way with lots of hope, with lots of faith, with lots of anticipation, where suddenly you're just kind of dialing it down a little bit. Uh, I'm not not feeling so good. I'm a little lethargic. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. Maybe uh, uh, relational issues are causing some heat for you. Maybe there's career or work issues that are putting some pressure on you. Maybe there's pain and loss or somebody's betrayed you in a way that is significant. And so we're going to be looking at some Psalms over the next few weeks because Psalms are just speak to where life is at. If you're ever feeling like nobody understands you, open a Psalm somewhere and read it. You're like, I'm okay. Because David is just like, he can go from the heights of heights, most of them are David, to the lows of lows and everywhere in between. And he, he helps us to see life correctly and how to manage our life, not just manage it, but how to, to walk through with the way that we feel in hot seasons, in seasons of celebration, in seasons where we know what to do, in seasons where we don't know what to do. We're going to look at Psalm 42 in a moment here, but Psalm 42 was a hymn psalm. It was a psalm that was meant to be sung. It was uh, the sons of Korah, it talks about that they, it's one of the psalms of the sons of Korah, but the sons of Korah were like the worship band. They took poetry and they put it to music and it was sung by the congregation. And because this psalm is in, a, in first person, most or many scholars believe that it was actually David that wrote it from his spot where he was. Either when he was on the run from uh, his, his son betraying him, Absalom, or someone who should have loved him, someone who should have been there for him, uh, not only just walked out on him, but was actively against him. Or perhaps when it was Saul, uh, another king that was hunting David down. Either one of those, or might might have just been in a, a time where he was away and feeling away from God, and and David is writing a psalm that try to uh, to try to express his heart. Someone said this that poetry and singing exist because God made us with emotions, not just thoughts. The psalmist is trying to describe how he's feeling, and so we're going to read that here uh, and. I'm going to make sure you're following along. So for when I say, say this, I want you to say it nice and strong. Even if you're online, even if you're in Princeton, wherever you are right now. So as the deer pants, I think it's going to come on the screen here. Yep. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul, say my soul. soul. There you go. Really good. My soul pants for you, my God. My soul, say my my soul. Thirst for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where's your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to. Somebody say, Used to. Go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng, like a corporate worship celebration. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet 
Praise him. Somebody say, praise him. You can say a little stronger. Praise him. My Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. From the land of the Jordan to the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazur. Deep calls to deep, like in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love or commands his love towards me. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me all day long, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope, somebody say hope, in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. When we're spiritually dry, when we're spiritually thirsty, David points out, or the writer points out, some symptoms that might indicate that you're a little drier than you anticipated. I don't know about you, but sometimes dehydration can happen slowly and almost imperceptibly in the natural. You don't realize it, and suddenly you're like, when did I drink today? You're at the, at, the wa- at the beach, and you're like, did I have any water? Or you're out working, and you're just sweating away, and you're, you're like, ah, and then suddenly it comes. And the same happens spiritually. Slowly, almost imperceptibly, you were in one space, and now you're in another space, a little drier. And the psalmist says, I feel it. I just feel, I feel frustrated. I feel a little frustrated. Feels distant from God. He sees the good things. Remember, he says, I used to do this. I used to be easily praising. I used to gather with people, and songs of joy would come out of my mouth without even having to think about it. Less joy, less thankfulness. He, has, he, he talks about a feeling of being alone, either fi- literally being alone or feeling alone. Feels anxious, feels disturbed. He feels restless, frustrated, restless. Have you ever been there in some of those things, feeling like you're fighting for hope some days? Feeling like fighting for faith, discouraged, disturbed at what's happening in our world, disturbed what's happening and maybe in your family, disturbed. And too often, many of us, and I'll include myself, maybe I'll say it that way, I, in my desire to be positive and keep moving forward, I don't want to stop long enough to ask why. Why? Why am I downcast? Why am I frustrated? Why am I irritable? Why am I angry? Why am I upset? I just am. But I know when I'm, that why question is there. When I feel thirsty, I'm not at my best. I'm a little bit crankier. Maybe some of you. Elbow that person beside you. I think he's talking to you, Pastor. And left long enough, a thirst for God leads, leads to problems. And I love the reality that David shows him here. He's, he asks himself this question, why am I so down? See, not only is this is what I feel, but why do I feel this way? Because it's uncomfortable to ask yourself the question, Why? Why am I disturbed? Why am I stuck? Why am I apathetic? 
Why am I easily irritated? Why am I so sad? Why do I feel resentful? Why do I feel anxious? Why do I feel far from God? Why so downcast? Why so disturbed? And sometimes it's a great question to ask yourself, to ask the Holy Spirit. It's a great question to ask someone that you know and trust. Hey, why do you think this? It's a great question sometimes to ask your doctor. It's a great question to ask a counselor. It's a great question to ask someone to pray with you over. Because sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's mental, emotional, and sometimes it's spiritual, and sometimes it's a combination of all three. We're actually fairly complex. Created in the image of God, three-part being, and sometimes what's happening in one area is affecting you in another area. So yeah, I've got to ask the question. We don't reflect enough. We don't stop enough. We don't question our feelings enough. We either live in two camps, it seems. We deny that there's an issue at all. Bless God, everything is good. How are you today? My cat died, my kids ran away, but I am great. Maybe the cat died, I, was, I don't know. But we distract ourselves, might be in other things, with endless scrolling or endless binge watching, because there's something there, but if I just focus on that, I don't have to, until you try to go to sleep and you wake up in the night. Or we escape to food, or maybe to pornography, or maybe to illicit sex, or something to get out of it. Or we just keep running, because we can't stand the silence of our own thoughts. Or this one is really popular today, we blame somebody else. That person that posted that, that means I can be this. I can say that. I can act that way. Thank you. That's my granddaughter, Amen, from the background, I think. And we stay thirsty, never able to find rest for our souls, never able to, to be at the best that God intended for us, never able to step into and be a minister to others, never able to fully embrace how God's made us, created us to be and to do, simply because we're in that space of dehydration spiritually. But God is interested in our stuff, he's interested in our feelings, he's interested in our struggles, he's interested in where we're at right now. But just like the natural, if we don't address the thirst, we'll eventually have a bigger problem than simply feeling thirsty. I had a friend, a pastor friend of mine, I think I've told this story before, when he was much younger, he had a TR6, beautiful little British road, roadster, convertible, the whole thing. And uh, he would be driving that, and one time he was driving it down the road and on Vancouver Island, and the red, a red light came on on the dash. And he was like, what is that? That is so irritating, and he kept driving. And it stayed on every time he would drive it with, uh. So finally he got some black tape and put it over it. <laughs> because that is just irritating. I don't know why that light is on. And then suddenly he's driving down the road and all of a sudden, bam! And his car comes to a stop, he pulls over. And he's like, what is going on? Now, if you were listening right now, you and you know anything about cars, just so this is free today, somebody's gonna be helped. Like if a red light comes on in your dash, you stop immediately because what it usually means is the engine is really overheating either through lack of water or lack of oil. And if you don't address it, it will come crashing to a halt. 
And sometimes that's what our feelings are doing. They're, they're just saying, hey, there's an issue here. You're, you're, that anger that you keep coming, there's an issue here that I want to talk, that, that you need to address, or your, your frustration with your kids, or your, your irritation at somebody else, or the anxiety that you feel, or whatever the issue is. It's, it doesn't mean that you're beyond repair. It simply means, don't ignore it. Don't, it doesn't actually whistle, I guess. It just, but, but here it actually is. There's something going on that needs to be addressed. And don't ignore it. And at the other side, don't be dictated by it. Because our feelings are meant to be indicators, not dictators. They indicate there's something wrong. They don't have to dictate what happens in our life. They're, they're just there to give you a message. And sometimes we need to ask ourselves the question, what's going on? Why is this happening? Is it a sin issue? Is it a, is it a physical issue? Is it an emotional issue? Is there a, a trauma issue? Is there, what is going on? Why is this happening? Why am I acting in this way? And after the why, what then? It's in the what that we begin to find God in the why. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope. Somebody say hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. And then the NASB, the New American Standard Version, says it this way. Why are you in despair, my soul? And why are you restless within me? Wait for God. It's the same word as hope, for I will again praise him for the help of, help of his presence. The NIV uses the word hope while the NASB uses the word wait, because hope carries the meaning of anticipation or expectation. It's kind of like when you're, you see the bus a block away and you kind of lean out and you're looking for it, expecting it to come. Not always the case, because sometimes they go right by you. So let's use a better one. Maybe a, when you order food with Skip the Dishes or Uber Eats, and you can watch on a little app the car going around, all around on the streets, coming towards, and you're waiting and you're checking every few minutes because you want to see, has the food arrived? You're looking for what, was, what you ordered, what was promised to you, is it coming? And you're watching for it to come. And eventually it comes around the corner and there you enjoy it in that moment. You're waiting in confident expectation that it will come. How much more are we waiting on God? Because if despair and restlessness are the results of not waiting, then hope and peace are the results of waiting. How often do we wait on our timetable time table, rather than just trusting God? Why then is waiting on God so often the thing that we do the least or compromise the most? Waiting with the expectation of the outcome being what I want is not actual true waiting and it leads to restlessness and despair because if God doesn't come through the way that you think he should or the way that you expected he should or answer your question the way that you thought he would, restlessness. Benny Liebscher of Jesus Culture wrote this. He said that choosing to wait in the midst of all the options of the world is powerful. Waiting is a form of surrender because it is a recognition that God is in control of our timeline and he is trustworthy. It's countercultural and teaches us to be content in every season. Waiting on God is powerful to the filling of our souls. And if our soul is filled, 
then like that tree, we will, or that flower basket, we will blossom and be the purpose that God has for us, healthy, fruitful. Isaiah 40 and 31, you hear this all very, very often if you grow up in church, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew. Somebody say renew. We've got to say better than that. But they who wait on for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. For the thirsty soul, we must learn to wait on God. Sometimes we run from stillness and we end up in illness. Sometimes we run from stillness with God and find illness instead, physically, mentally. I will wait on God and have renewed strength. I will wait on God and then soar with a new perspective on what I'm going through. I will wait on God and then run without weariness. I will wait on God and then walk without giving up. And I don't want to sound trite in any way. Know the reality. I've walked through seasons of this myself. But I do want to sound biblical. And that's the challenge of Scripture is your feelings are not are indicators, not dictators. And even when I feel overwhelmed, when I felt overwhelmed, when I felt waves of sadness, when I felt discouragement, when I felt that, I do, I, I only know what to do is first this. I may still go to a doctor. I may still go to a counselor. I may still do all these other things. But I need to do this from the inside out, from my spirit man. Don't, I'm not discounting any of the other things. And, and if you need medication and the doctor says, like, do all that. It's all really important. I'm a pastor, not a psychologist or a doctor or any of that. From this space, it affects everything though. And David challenges himself as he waits. Put your hope in God. Sometimes you have to speak to yourself. Sometimes you gotta preach to yourself because there's nobody around. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Sometimes you have to get up when all you want to do is lie down. And it's not by our own might or by our own strength. It says, put your hope in God. Because you will fail sometimes. People will fail you. Your physical body will fail you at times. Your finances will fail you at times. Your job will fail you at times. The person that you thought was the most important in your life will fail you at times. All of those things could happen. That's why David says, hey, why so downcast on my soul? Put your hope in God. There was a time when David, in, I think it's in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6, where he was in an incredibly difficult situation he had led his men on a battle, and they had won a great victory, and they came back to their home, to their city, and the city was vacant. All their children and wives had been taken captive, and all their goods were stolen, and they, were, they had all left. And these guys that were around him, his men, were thinking of stoning him and saying, you led us in a terrible way. You messed up our lives. And that he could overhear, overhear all that going on. And the Bible says this incredibly powerful phrase for people who are in incredibly difficult situations. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. It didn't say David strengthened himself. 
period. David strengthened himself in the Lord. David strengthened himself in the Lord. That's what he did. He went to to the source of his strength and his ability in that moment. How do I wait? How do I put my trust in the Lord? And then we're going to, the band will come here in a moment. It's interesting that Jesus addressed this in John 7 and 37. It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is, there's that word again, who is thirsty come to me and find and and drink. In other words, he said, you've been trying all kinds of other things. Maybe you're dehydrated. David said, as a deer pants for the water, so so my soul thirsts for you, O God. And then Jesus says, I am the source. It's me. You need an encounter with me. You need to have uh, the the source of living water inside of you, overflowing out of you. But it happens again and again. And this is why the Bible says this in Ephesians. It says, be filled with the Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. You may be drying out. You may be weary. You may be all the things we talked about at the beginning. But Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are thirsty, and drink. Jesus is our source, not a pep talk, not a trying harder, not an emotional lift, not having enough friends, not having enough finances. Let our thirsting draw us back to Jesus. First acknowledge that I'm thirsty, and then let it draw me back to Jesus. Not to scrolling, not to denial, not to blaming, but draw me back to the source of my life that's going to cause a fruitfulness to flow out of me, that's going to cause strength to come in me, that's going to cause hope to arise within me. Somebody... Jesus is the source that we need. David goes on to show us how to wait. He says this, praise God for what he has done. Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him. Praise is powerful to lift you. Praise is powerful to strengthen you. Praise is powerful to encourage you. You begin to recount times where God has ministered to you, saved you out of things. How many of you can think of a time where God came through for you in a powerful way? Put your hand up. Come on. How many of you can think of a time where you might have been dead today if it were not for the Lord? Look around. Look around. Come on. How many of you just, we just need to begin to remind ourselves of what God has done in the past, how he's moved on our behalf, how he's provided for my needs. When groceries showed up at the door without, by just simply praying and saying, God, we're in desperate need, groceries showing up on our door, we've experienced that. We've experienced times where we've been absolutely in, lost friends, lost all kinds of stuff, and God made a way for us. That's the power. When you just begin to position yourself and say, I'm going to praise God for what he's done. I feel this. This is what's being indicated to me. It's not going to dictate to me because greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. Scripture talks about a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips. Sometimes you don't feel like being thankful. When our kids were little, we used to send them to their room until they could have a happy heart. Go pray and spend some time with Jesus. We do this when they were little. And spend some time with Jesus because what's coming out of you is not so good right now. 
Not just sent to their room to play a video game and come out with a happy heart because Jesus from the inside out begins to do things. That's the story of the Bible. Scripture talks about a sacrifice of praise. Learn to give a sacrifice when you don't feel it. God inhabits the praises of his people. When God's presence comes in a significant way through praise, then he can begin to speak to you because suddenly what's been clouding and been at the top, which is your issue, your why, suddenly it becomes subordinate to the who and suddenly he begins to speak into your why and he begins to give you a strategy begins to speak to you about the timing begins to encourage your heart begins to move you forward begins to activate you again begins to fulfill you on the inside And then a second disturbance comes, and David says in verse 6, My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. First we're remembering what God's done, and then we remind ourselves of who he is. My God is faithful. My God is good. My God is moving on my behalf. I am not done until he says I'm done. It's not over until he says it's over. I remind myself of who God is. And it says this from from the Jordan to Mount Hermon. In other words, the Jordan River was in the lowest space, the lowest part of the land. Mount Hermon was among the highest. He's saying, from the lowest parts of my life, I remind myself who God is and how he was with me in the middle of a difficult, painful time. God was with me. I remind myself that when I'm on the mountain that God is with me because the God of the mountain is still God of the valley and every space in between. It begins to remind myself that greater is he that's within me. I begin to remind myself that he is my forgiver. I begin to remind myself that he has been faithful when I have been unfaithful. That is who he is. And he continues on. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is within me. By day when everything's clear and I can see the way, I can sense and know the love of God, it's clear. And at night when I when it's dark and I feel discouraged and I don't know which way I go, way to go, I hear the song of God over my life. And listen to this. Do you know in Zephaniah 3.17 that it says that this, that God sings over you. God sings over you. He rejoices over you with singing. In other words, sometimes you don't have a song in you and God begins to sing over you as you position yourself there and begins to, his presence comes in in a powerful, powerful way. And the ups and the downs, the light and the dark, the good and the bad, I turn my problems into a prayer where David goes, I say to the Lord, my rock, why have you forgotten me? The band, you can come on the stage wherever you are. I think they're somewhere out there. What an interesting prayer. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? In one hand, he's saying, God is my rock. He's my stability. He's my strength. He's what I build my life on. And then in the next breath, he's saying, why have you forgotten me? I think it's so us. In one moment, you're full of faith, and God is overcoming, and my life is going to move forward, and then maybe a day later, you're like, hello? Are you still there? What's going on? And the psalmist shows us again, how to deal with the thirst of his souls. Because he says that by, I feel that way. Why? And then he turns it into a prayer. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go on mourning? My bones are suffering and saying to me, where is your God? All this, he pours out his heart of all the feels. 
and the accusations of the enemy, he begins to pour it out. Don't pack on yourself what you're meant to. Pray on to Jesus. Praise God for what he's done. Praise God for who he is. And pray to God in the middle of the why and the I don't know and I'm not there yet. First Peter 5 and 7, we were reminded to cast all who cares on Jesus because he cares. And David ends that this psalm with, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Praise God for what he's done. Praise God for who he is. Pray to God with what you're going through. It's all pointing to Jesus because this is what Christianity is about. It's not about a try harder. It's not about getting everything just right. It's not about just a book as powerful as the word of God is. Jesus, alive, living within us. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, the power of heaven lives within us. And if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. In other words, he begins to cause some things to come alive. He begins to fill some thirst. He begins to fill some hunger. I'm going to pray and then we're going to close out in Princeton and we'll turn it over to Jen in Princeton in a moment. And that's going to be the close here. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Lord Jesus, we thank you that in every season, no matter what we're feeling, that you are walking with us in the middle of it all. And thank you that we are not victims to our situation, but that you are within us. You are fighting for us. You're a shield of favor around us. You're the good shepherd guarding us. We have not been abandoned. We have not been overlooked. We have not been forgotten, but you are with us, whether we feel it in this moment right now or not. In the strong name of Jesus, amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.